welcome to Inklings. I am Emily Bell Freeman, and I'm so excited to welcome you to a space where you and I get to experience a hint of something more together. This is a community where we lean into discussions that will help us obtain a bedrock understanding of the doctrines of Christ. Not overnight, but every day better. Strength gathered over time. There is a place for you here. Looking forward to spending the semester with you as we embark on a journey focused on becoming His. Good morning, everyone. Happy Thursday. Welcome to Inklings. I'm so excited about today. And let's see, we're going to be in the New Testament and we're also going to be in the Pearl of Great Price, so you'll want both of those plus your talk. I'll tell you where we're going to be. We're Elder Choice Talk, Do You Want to Be Happy? Next week will be God Knows and Loves You. Hi, Tana. Good morning. How are you? Great. How are you? Doing so good. Um, okay, we have cute Tana with us who's been with us several times before. But should you just tell us how many kids you have and things like that? <laughs> sure. I mean, why not? Who doesn't want us to talk about their kids? Um, yes, I am Chana. I have four daughters. And that's why it's so funny that I only have four. Because I feel like all girls is sometimes 13. Constantly. A house full of loud, crazy, beautiful, fun girls. But sometimes I say four and I think it feels like a lot more than that. But I love it. I love being a mom. I love being an inkling so much. I love Jesus and I love the scriptures. I genuinely just love people. And so I think anytime we get a chat around about scriptures and Jesus and with people and gathering together as women, what's greater than that? So I do love it. I've been thinking so, so much lately too about, um, for those of you who have never heard how inklings started, but sometimes it's so fun to just think about yeah. it because for real life, the idea of Inklings came during the middle of an NFL game. Everybody. It's such a random place to receive a prompting like that. But just clear as day, the spirit wanted to say, um, you should help women learn how to read scripture. And in my mind, I was like, that's a really good idea. And then um, the spirit said, on Thursdays. <laughs> Still think is so funny. It, it was like, let me help you prioritize this yeah. by actually giving you like sticking points. You know, I might might have thought about that for three years, <laughs> and um, then I can remember saying, um, I it's it's such a good idea. But the women of the church have so much to read right now. We are doing come follow me, and there's just it feels like a million things. The last thing they need is totally. one more thing to study. And it happened to be that general conference weekend when President Nelson said, gather your friends and study Doctrine and Covenants 25 and 84 and 107. And I just, sometimes I wonder if the spirit just giggles at my fondness <laughs> of like, it, this isn't actually not going to work because, you know, and I wonder if he's just like, oh. It's going to work, Emily. Oh, nice. Don't worry. <laughs> And um, how fun it was to think that maybe a couple hundred women would want to get together and study together. And 
sometimes I just think to myself, can you imagine women all over the world who are gathering and sitting together in small groups to actually study the word of God and the word of his prophets and apostles and and not only are we studying together, but that we just have this deep connection that yeah. all someone has to do is say the word inklings to you and immediately you know, which is one word, this is a woman who loves Jesus Christ, who studies the scriptures, who is intent on becoming better, just a little better every day. You just know that's what's happening. It's so fun to be a part of and i love that you remind everybody too that you don't have to be perfect at it just take the little bit of icing that you can get just the little sprinkles off the top yeah. is sometimes just enough and that's the part that makes it feel so fun yeah, because all of us sometimes feel like we yeah. have 13 children tana <laughs> <laughs> i don't have any children at home and i oh. feel like i have 13 children i know well you have all the children the women in the world too so let's just add that to your plate you have a lot of kids right now it's okay <laughs> a lot of kids you're making me feel better right yeah, now. you do you have a ton of children right now so That's so awesome so this is such a fun topic um this thought do you want to be happy and i just want to start out with this i got invited to go to a the home of a really wise man a couple weeks ago and it was like a fireside type event and he got up and spoke to us for just a few minutes at the very end of the dinner and he said something that my mind cannot rest on and you know and i'm sure all the ladies on here know see if this is true um that we love that talk from president kimball that Camilla gave, it's remember our, when she wore anthem. It's yes. anthem. I love, I love that talk. And you remember the one part where he said to us that in the last days, people would be drawn to the church in all of these numbers, and it would be because the women were distinct and different in happy ways. Yes. That what was, um, that was what was gonna be the difference. And he didn't talk about that, but I thought about it because he was talking about this, that we needed to be better at creating a culture of joy. That's what he said. I love and that. he said, if we were really good at it, we would not have to have a missionary program. We wouldn't even need one. That he blew said. my mind when I read that. I was like, is that right? Wait, no. Oh, it probably is correct. And then he said this line, okay, the talk is everyone, it's actually President Kimball's talk. But what happened is President Kimball got really sick. And so he asked his wife to read it in general conference, which I love. And she wore this giant oh. corsage. Please don't miss the corsage when you see her uh, <laughs> giving the talk. It's almost as if she was like, I'm so nervous to give this talk. And like, here, mom, just wear this giant talk. It'll be fine. What is the name of that talk, everybody? It should just come I, right to the top I, of my mind. I was looking at the front of my Inklings book to see if it's in this cover, but. On here is going to be so smart. And they're going to be like, remember yeah. this is the name. Um, and so, and it was in 1979. Who loves that I know the date, but I can't remember <laughs> the title right now. So that's where he gave that line. Distinct and different and happy ways and then the man who i was at dinner with was like if we just could create a 
culture of joy, um, then yes, the role of righteous women, that is the talk. Um, this culture of joy. And then he said this, that I seriously cannot get this phrase out of my mind. He said, people would walk into situations where Latter-day Saints were gathered and they would say, what is all this joy? And I was like, oh, I love that line. In fact, I now want to like stencil it in gold (laughs) on my kitchen wall, just so that I can remember that thought of what is all this joy and be so drawn to that, that feeling of joy. And so I'm so intrigued because I've been thinking about that with this talk. When we read it, I was like, oh, I'm already thinking about this. I want to know more about, um, do you want to be happy? So let's start out just for a second and think about what are some of our favorite lines from this talk because there were some really great and it was such a simple talk I think I was texting you that just last night I was like I think he's Korean this beautiful wise man himself Choi and you know how sometimes in that Japanese or the Korean or the Asian culture things are symbols and things are simple and it's white and black and right and wrong and I think I felt that from him in this talk simple phrases of just how to be happy um i don't even know where to start emily i just should i just pick one (laughs) just pick one of your favorite i have a couple favorite too that there just were some great one-liners um and and there there's just a couple of things that uh, here's things i want to talk about i want to talk about happiness i for sure want to talk about um the call how he wanted to talk about the call and then i want to talk about the yoke okay in any order we want to go in but those are things that i'm dying to talk about so um what is there a favorite verse that you just love i think the ones i the ones that started out them i think the phrase when he talked about when she accepted the call i mean well okay let's start where i'm trying to get myself a little organized here i think the part that i loved i'm going to start right at the beginning because i don't want to forget this part you know how the first thing he says is do you want to be happy and i thought well who's gonna say no first of all who's gonna say no and and because i i i love to work with people a lot and i talk about how to be happy and healthy right so i started to just kind of dive down some research things that really do define a happy person i'll never forget where i read this i i forgot where i read this but i'll never forget the concept but happy people focus on health but happy people actually are relationship nurturers. Mm. Anybody that's really happy knows how to nurture a relationship. And so, and and I think so much of that is because of the similitude of how relationships work between us and the Savior, and that we as women have relationships with our husbands, our family, our spouse, our children, our community. But that I think I loved that how, you know, he goes in and starts to talk about that when you have, let's see, where is that? There's a couple phrases that I just loved. Um, when he says, as we yoke ourselves to him, we can do these things that we couldn't do on our own. Um, and I think about that relationship. I think about, and maybe I'm jumping to the yoke too soon, um, but I just it just realized that no one's ever meant to do this alone. Like I think the daunting part about this idea of being happy 
or joy or that we have to carry that like what 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 am i going to do to make this person happy maybe we hold that a little bit more to our responsibility that really doesn't need to be and that the savior really is going to be the one that allows us to have a relationship to bring joy into our lives from the very 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 beginning of of when we start to get to know him, exercise that faith That's in him so good and i think um it's so interesting and, I, and let's just jump okay. right into the oak because i'm i can't help it <laughs> so interested by this because it's so interesting at the beginning when he says isn't it simple to be happy and uh, depending on where your life is right now some of us would be like yes yeah depending on where your life is right now some of us would be like no it actually isn't i haven't actually felt happiness or peace or joy for weeks yeah. i think that's the important part that that quotes right at the very beginning yeah. russell m nelson said if you want to be miserable break the commandments if you want joy stay on the covenant path and then he said isn't it simple to be happy just make covenants and keep them in your lives and um, I think it is important to recognize right at the get-go that sometimes it actually isn't simple to yeah, be. I had the same thought. Yeah, sometimes life is so heavy and, and it's all you can do to just like breathe. Yeah. Uh, like joy is something that feels a little bit out of reach. And I think this is why I love that he brought up the yoke. I'm also really interested in the yoke for this. So many talks this conference spoke about the yoke. I don't know if anyone else noticed that, but it was so intriguing to me. I put them all together right in a row for us to study yes. because I am intrigued why so many people would have included that in what they were speaking about. And it's interesting because even when I was speaking, I had the same thought about Matthew 11. So um, we're, we're just finishing up. Tana pointed out last night, and I love when we think about When we look at our whole study, we were talking about perspective first, then devotion second. And last, we're going to talk about relationship and really covenant relationship. And this is our last talk on devotion and and what devotion is and what it looks like and part of thinking celestial is like living in a posture of devotion that is part of thinking celestial it's it, our focus is focused on him and i i love the yoke for this because our life may not be joy yeah but he is and if the circumstance of your life is not bringing joy right now all is not lost yeah. because your joy right now might simply be in him yeah. that's where your joy might be coming from and sometimes the reason why we yoke with him is because life is so heavy on our own and what he brings even if our life doesn't even if our mortality doesn't yeah. there is joy to be found in relationship or in devotion with him 
Um, th that may be your only glimpse of joy in the day. Well, and I'm glad you pointed that out. Sorry, did I cut you nope. off? Um, because he talks about right after that, in that still on that first page, on um, paragraph 12, when he said it was the, the most, during the most difficult time of his life that he received that calling. And as I listened to that, I listened to it over and over again. Just wanted to know why did he bring in that calling when he's talking about happiness? And, and I loved his wife's response because, you know, she, I love that he didn't he say something like, my wife didn't say yes, but she also didn't say no. And so I'm thinking about that affirmation, you know, that you, where we talked, you said um, that the call allows the carrying or, you know, the, I accept the call anyways. And that's when I realized, what does it mean to really yoke ourselves to the Savior? We talk about it, but what do we actually do it? Like, how do I get up today? and really yoke myself to the Savior. Sometimes I like to think of things actually happening versus just symbolically. And it was then that I realized that our callings can actually yoke us to the Savior. Yes, I've... And we don't think about that, but it's the calling that allows the carrying. And he yes. explained that in a way for me that was like a whole new life of understanding that that's why the Lord, when it's the hardest, hardest time to do something, he knows we can't do it on our own. So he's like, well, okay, you, you're struggling with finances and difficulty and, and mental health and whatever else they are. Let's give you a calling, which feels like to us, <laughs> oh, that's the last thing I need right now. But it's the only way he can carry us. That is through that yoke of, calling, of our calling. And I have actually experienced this in such a deep and a profound way. When our son, Josh, was three, he yeah. was diagnosed with diabetes and so i had a five-year-old this three-year-old that now took 24-hour constant care yeah and a 10-month-old baby and the week of the diagnosis megan had chicken pox the boys had just finished <laughs> but when i went into primaries with josh unconscious in my arms and megan in a yeah. carrier they had to put us in this quarantined room because Meg had the chicken box full blown while I was doing this whole other thing. And oh. we came home that Sunday for church yeah. from, so imagine I've been in the hospital for a week. I've just learned how I'm going to take care of this child, which is going to include poking his finger eight times a day, trying to figure out how to be a nutritionist, which I'm terrible at counting carbs and, and figuring out that giving shots, which that's not something I never to wanted to be a little kid. One. Yeah. Um, chasing him around the house in order to do all of those things and then sitting on him and pinning him down so that I could actually keep him alive. Like no one wants to be that mom. No. And we went to church that Sunday and our ward got split that sunday when we got there and we were now all of a sudden moving to this the new ward not the established ward but we were all moving to the new ward so my life was like shook up and the stake president stood up in that moment and he gave a promise he said i will tell you that if you will accept whatever calling the Lord gives you in this new structure, that whatever 
burden you are carrying right now will be lessened. And I can remember, you guys, there's one calling I hate. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. <laughs> Just tell us. This is tricky because people think if you are a piano player, you are also an organ player. And it is not, not true. That is close. not actually true. <laughs> and I have been called a couple times to be the organ player. And I hate <laughs> playing. I hate it. I cry on the way to church. And Greg never bring my makeup back with us oh, when we oh, go. No. I hate doing it and I remember sitting on the back row and I said to Heavenly Father I will play the organ that how desperately I need this well sure enough the next day I got called into the office and I knew I was going to be the organ player and I got called in there and he actually called me to be the young women's president in our ward and at the time I thought to myself, I, I can't do this. I have a child newly diagnosed with diabetes. I have a 10-month-old daughter. This is like full-time care of, of taking care of this child. Like, I can't, I can't do it. That was my first thought. But immediately, I remembered he said our burden would be lessened. So I said... Yes, and that calling saved me. It saved me because it gave me one and a half hours a week to get out of my house, to, to not be the one in charge of yeah. care for an hour and a half. I got to have this break to just go be my own person in that moment and even though it seemed like it was not the right answer for our life and our family mentally and emotionally it saved yeah. me and those friendships carried me during that time and and i do think it is true when we think i'm going to go to matthew 11 but when we go in there and he says come unto all ye that labor and are heavy laden mm -hmm. and i will give you rest well, that's what I was desperate for. I was carrying that heavy burden 24 hours a day. I was not sleeping. I was, I was just carrying yeah. that. Yeah. That thought of rest that might come by yoking myself to him, which actually, when you think of it, you're like, well, isn't that going to be more, more work? Yeah. Yeah. What? Wouldn't that be more work? But I love that he says, just take the yoke upon you. Because if you do that, you're going to learn about me. You're going to learn that I am meek, which is this quiet strength. That's what meek yeah. means. You're going to learn that I am your quiet strength. Strength. You're going to learn that through me, you can find that rest. And I love when he talks about my yoke is easy and my burden is light and in that time of greatest darkness that is what i needed was light and it it came through a call that felt unexpected but at that time that yoke was a call for that's what it means and in that i love that he when he when he talks about 
that um, she didn't ask questions anymore this while after she knew that that call was coming and she kind of had to accept it. She didn't say no or she didn't say yes, but she didn't say no. That's the part because I think in our mind, we have to work through that for a minute. Yes. It might happen as a switch. So if you're one feeling like, I don't know that I quite feel it light, it, it hasn't really lifted yet. I think that it's important to remember that also takes practice, right? It, it might not happen right away, the very first day of your calling. I think the, we know the Lord loves effort. We know that there is um, results come with consistency and, and dedication. I think that we don't have to be afraid to say, okay, to practice. I mean, doctors practice medicine, lawyers practice law. Let's practice joy. Right? Let's practice lightening our burdens with the Lord because we know it's going to happen. It's eternal truth. No matter what, no one can argue that that won't happen because it is an eternal law of truth that if yes. you yoke your Savior, you will be, your, he, self, he teaches you, burdens will be light. So we know it's going to happen. So if we know that, then let's just practice and watch for it. Watch for it and feel it. And I think that's sometimes where, you know, any experience that I have, someone that feels a little bit unhappy or maybe even some of that clinical depression, it's easy to fall into that darker spot because it's a little bit more comfortable and it requires a little less work. And that's not to say that people aren't trying hard, but I think it does take practice and to give yourself that grace. Yeah. You always talk about these unforced rhythms of grace. It's one of my favorite phrases. And I love it because that's where it just comes and you don't expect it. You don't have to force it. You don't have to wait for the law, you know, the exchange to happen. It will just fall upon you. And, and he says, um, someone left a comment in the post and they quoted Elder Bay. And when he talked about how um, he said, he bears the load and we share in the joy. That's the part that stuck out to me because he will take the load. But just because he takes the load doesn't mean he takes the joy. We get all the joy, but he takes all the load. And that to me is the beauty and the magic of this joy and the yoke and the calling because we get the best of the best no matter what. Yes, that's so good. And um, I love that part where he is going to talk about, well, first of all, I love when you said, let's practice joy yeah. because that really is true. Sometimes we have to practice that. We, we really do have to practice what does that look like and feel like, and especially if our life is not fantastic right now, it doesn't mean that we ignore what's happening, but there are things that will allow joy in our life. Yes. And putting those practices into our life might lighten the load a little bit at one time in my life when things were so hard, Greg did not have a job. We were like barely making it through. Um, I had been called to serve in the primary with the class, not the three-year-olds, not the tiny ones, yeah. that next class that crawls oh. on top of you the whole time that you are there, four and five-year-olds. And so every Sunday I would go to church, which is the place where I just needed to find strength. Yeah. And that was not happening for me. I'm sitting on a cold metal chair for two hours in primary, not finding strength, uh, just like surviving through. And sometimes that's our call, right? Sometimes, sometimes the call is simply just yeah. surviving the thing. And, um, I, I listened to this talk from this woman who said 
you need to sit down and make a list of the 10 things she said that fire you up, which I did not need to be fired up right then. I <laughs> needed to like calm make it, it through the day. Down. Yeah. But I remember that my grandma, when my grandpa died, she talked about she couldn't get out of bed. Yeah. In the and one day the spirit just said, make a list of things that bring you joy. And when she died, that, that list hung on her bedroom wall for 30 years after my grandpa died. It just hung right by her bed. And you guys, the things are hilarious and simple. They're like, go feed the ducks, buy an ice cream cone, write a letter to someone in Fiji, take one of your daughter-in-laws to lunch. It, they just were like the simplest things, but there's 31 of them. Wow. And when she died, we each got to take something from her house. And I took that picture it's upstairs now in, in our little library as a reminder that sometimes you have to make a list of, okay, if, if the, everything else is falling apart, I can feel joy yeah. in my, and, and I will practice joy by these 10 things. And mine are simple. I only have 10. I don't have 31. <laughs> I have 10. Um, but these are my, these are some of my 10. Take a bath is uh, for sure. On great one. Yep. I love to just know, okay, if nothing else, I'll just put, do a bubble bath for 20 minutes. And, and that is my 20 minutes of joy. Or I will cook two chocolate chip cookies <laughs> at three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Currently right now. I love you. I, you guys know I hate waking up it not in the eights you know this about already and my current life makes me have to wake up in the sixes which is not joy so I, I had to put in a practice of joy because yeah. otherwise I'm not my best self in the mornings <laughs> and so I treat myself to hot chocolate every single morning right I now love it. I love it That's what gets me in my car in yep. before the eights is well at least I get to have, have that um, while I'm driving down there and and the hot chocolate makes me so happy <laughs> and, uh, so I, I put it on, uh, in a little kettle on my yeah. stove I'm doing my makeup it's just part of now my morning ritual and it gets all ready while I'm there and then right when I grab my keys I just pour it in my cup and yeah. that is the joy Actually, out into the dark. Well, and look how you learn to love it. What? Sorry, what? Who has an iPhone? <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't run in like five years. Yes. Um, um, and but I, I think you practice that. Yeah. It's and like I think it, it's it's what is once your weakness, Emily, is now going to become your strength because you've learned how to adapt to that environment and and really see a way to make it joyful. And I love, he even kind of talks about, you know when he says how my wife's short and so, and I'm tall, so I'll help her get those things. He gives examples of what it looks like to actually have help. He says that my wife was scared of the dark and now she's not because I can go with her. And I love that he gives those real life applications of what it looks like to have your burden a little bit lighter. And, and I think that if we take a minute 
all of those similitudes are around us all the time. We might have to look, right? We might have to create a system, create some kind of practice to really find that. But he talks about it and gives the cutest examples ever. I mean, that, and, and I think about how, you know, what are our relationships in our life that actually might mimic that yoking? So if it's too big to understand, how do I yoke myself to the savior? That might feel like a, a kind of like a big tall order. But I think as I start to look around, I think, well, how am I like his wife where I'm grateful that I have someone taller than me to help me reach the high shelf? And that comfort that comes brings some of that joy. Do you remember, and I thought of this in my head, do you remember when we were making flowers out in, uh, I think it was Alpine, and I got that flat tire and I didn't know what to do. And I remember thinking, okay, I, I can do this. Meg came out and pulled out the mantle and like, okay, we're gonna do this. I think I can do it. It felt so daunting and so scary, but I had no choice. And all of a sudden, there comes Greg. And I think your son-in-law was with him too. And he's like, it's okay, I've got this. And I remember feeling the ma most massive sense of relief, but joy at the same time. I don't know that I would have described it as joy in that moment, but to know that there was, to me, that's an exact similitude of how the Savior will come into our lives. But if we don't watch for it and see what it might look like in our day-to-day -day application and relationships, sometimes it might be hard to see between us and the Lord, right? But that's how he teaches us, is through these daily little practices daily noticings and lookings of seeing how it works because i don't think that the relationship between man is going to be in the way we interact and we treat and we, with love and respect and joy i don't think it's going to be much different when we actually meet the savior i don't think all of a sudden we're going to just change and be like oh now i'm seeing the savior at the second coming i think the way we treat other people it will naturally be that exact same type of relationship and that joy and that relief like yes oh i'm so grateful for that and and i think that it's it's seeing practicing and really just accepting that whatever like you know i what did she say again? She says i accepted the call anyways whether it's going to be good or bad or hard you kind of just gird up your loins and know that the the lord knows exactly what he's going to do he's going to carry you um this quote maybe you'll think of this too sorry i was just gonna it came into my mind this morning it's uh, another ezra taft benson quote but he says Remember when he says men and women who turn their lives over to God will find out he can make a lot more out of their lives than he can. I think that that is actually yoking, right? He deepens the joys. He expands the vision. He quickens the mind, lifts the spirits, multiplies the blessings, increases opportunities, comforts souls. I love this one. He says, raise up friends, right? Pour out peace. It is such a beautiful practice that we can actually just know. And I think the things that you're doing that make you get up early in the morning, I'm certain those are involved in the, or they're, the Lord's involved in those. So of course the Lord's gonna make that hot chocolate even sweeter for you because he knows the work you're doing is going to help magnify his work, right? Which is kind of the Moses scripture that you put in the, in the inkling. Yeah, right? let's go there for yeah. a minute because I love this scripture and no. and again that thought of that one line i'm just so intrigued by it i accepted the call anyway totally there's something about calls are not convenient most of the time, most of the time. also sometimes they're a little bit daunting um they might feel yeah. overwhelming there's there's that whole thought about that and it makes me think so much about moses and i love in moses one there's a couple of things that we learn so much um, goodness in here. That I 
want to think about, and I love when you start in chapter one, verse three, and the first thing God does is introduce himself to Moses. He says to him, I am the Lord God almighty, right? I, I am bigger than whatever you have going on in your life. And sometimes I need that yeah. reminder that God is bigger than this. I was talking to Grace yesterday on the phone about um, some of the like circumstances of her life that had not gone well this week and we were just kind of talking about it was so discouraging and then I just remember thinking I was driving while I was talking to her and I was like here's the thing God is bigger than this so and he sees the full picture and he knows your purpose and so at the end of the day he's going to be able to work with yeah. this He'll be able to work with it. And there's something joyful about realizing this, this is a disaster, <laughs> but God is bigger than this. And I love when he's like, let me introduce you to me. My name is Almighty. That's my name. So I just want you to know my capacity for you. And then I love when he says in four, and behold, you are my son. Mm -hmm. um, like I, I care for you. Like I care for the people who live under my roof. Um, uh, how your life turns out is actually critically important yeah. to me. And then I love what he says to him in verse six. And I have a work for you, Moses, my son. And we usually stop right there. Yeah. And we're talking about the story because those are three really awesome things. I am God. You are my daughter. Yeah. I work for you. And then we go on to talk about what that looks like. Um, but there's one other verse in chapter one that I am so intrigued by as we think about joy and how God gives joy. Because remember, this conversation is most likely taking place in the wilderness. Yeah. The wilderness where he lives is actually desert. So I just want you to picture desert right now. Moses is talking to the Lord. He's like, I have a work for you. And then there is a moment when he is going to give Moses a gift for this great work he's been called to, which I think all of us know what that feels like. Anyone who's been set apart for a calling, you know that moment when you are going to be given the gifts you need to do the great thing you've been called to. But I also read this and think to myself, do you ever have that moment when you're like, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? <laughs> All the time. I think about that. <laughs> yeah. I, because I have three boys and we constantly are talking about superheroes. Yes. We have this conversation all the time. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? I have two that <laughs> I want regularly. One is fly because who doesn't want to fly? Um, <laughs> of course. The other one is invisibility though. Oh, those are good ones, Emily. Invisibility because there's places I just want to go so yeah. bad and I want to see so bad and I just want that. Yeah. So I want you to imagine here you are in the wilderness. God is going to give you this calling divinely suited to you. I love when he says, I love when he says this one quote where he says, he will give you a customized answer for you. Oh, and, yeah. and sometimes our calls are also 
customized, even though we don't want to think they are. Yeah. Usually there is something for us to learn there. Oh, yeah. And um, so he's going to give him this call. They're standing in the desert. Okay. Desert, everybody being the key word. Right. And he says to him in 25, blessed art thou Moses, for I, the Almighty, remember, he's already introduced himself to us as Almighty. I, the Almighty, have chosen you. And then here comes his superpower. Thou shalt be made stronger than many waters. And you think, think in that moment, Moses looks around the desert and is like, I want something. <laughs> water. That's actually not going to help me right now. I don't need that. That's not the gift I wanted. This yeah. is not the setting apart I wanted. This, I needed something else from you. And how many years did Moses think, I got called to this thing that feels out of my comfort zone. Totally. I don't necessarily want to do it. And then I was given a gift that I can't even utilize in the place where I am. I don't even need that gift. And don't you ever think in that moment that probably was not joy? Oh, absolutely. I'm sure he was even baffled by it. Right, that he might've been like, I don't think God knows who yeah. I am. Or maybe he doesn't recognize the call. I, or does he not see yeah. where I am, what yeah. my life yeah. looks like? Like that probably wasn't joy in that moment yeah. and and maybe for years he was like why did he give me something i can't even use and then imagine the one day when he comes out of egypt with all of the children of israel that's a lot of responsibility yeah. that's that's way more than 13 kids <laughs> and he gets in front of the red sea and there's no way around and there's no way through, and there's chariots racing down a mountain. Wow. And there's all of the children of Israel who are looking to you. And in that, that moment, do you think he turns and looks at the water and is like, wait, hold on, everybody. <laughs> I have been made stronger than water in this moment. It's going to be fine. And what did Joy feel like right in that moment don't you totally. wonder that totally totally and i think it's so beautiful because when you talk about how many years did he have to wait do you remember um it was one of the worldwide devotionals and you kind of introduced the topic i think it was talking about these um, education specialists and you went through the decades of your life in your 20s you were was that when you were in the band yeah <laughs> then, <laughs> I didn't know that, by the way. I was like, Emily was in a band. And then in your 30s, you started to become a publisher. And then in your 40s, you, be, you fell in love with Instagram. And then here in your 50s, you are called to lead the young women of the world. And I loved that. I took that and personally reflected that and then looked at the lives of my children. What are they experiencing right now? What gifts are they developing? What joy, what practices are they coming in with that will lead them to what they this amazing joy is going to be. And it's kind of that zooming out, right? Shifting and reframing and trusting God that the calling has a purpose. In the part, in the purpose that's going to be in the future, he will still carry you, right? That's the beauty of all of it together. But I just love that this, you're painting this picture of Moses for me that I never really actually connected that, his, that he'll be made stronger than many waters. I just kind of thought, oh yeah, but of course, 
who parts the Red Sea? I mean, nobody, but Moses. And so it, to me, is just a time to reflect and think, what is the hard thing that I'm not finding joy in maybe? Because we know, you know, and I think I'm speaking to those that might not relate to like, do you want to be happy? Yeah, it's simple. Uh, they might not think it is. But if we take that step and just think, the Lord's preparing me for something, right? And, and maybe that joy isn't today and maybe it's not tomorrow. But if we look and we watch for it and we practice it, that what he's giving us is going to be our greatest superpower. Yes. It's so amazing. So true, because I will tell you that when I was working for the magazine and newspaper company from nine o'clock at night to 3 a.m. every morning while my kids slept, that actually was yeah. not joy. It was, but when I can sit down now with an um, article for a magazine or to look through something and I put in the hours that long ago yeah. to know how how to do something like that. Actually, I have a lot of joy that that was my life yeah. when I was in my early thirties. And don't you wish you could go back and tell the younger you, listen, this is going to turn out for your good. It is. You may not see it now, but it is going to turn for your good and just trust the almighty yeah. trust him he is bigger than this he sees bigger than this and there may not be joy in your life but there is joy in that truth yeah it's so true and i was it's funny i this popped into my head a few times um last night i was i go to this pilates class once a week and she has all these inspirational posters and kind of some information on the wall and I've been going for a year or two or three even maybe, but there was a poster that stood out to me for the first time last week ever. And I went home, I took a picture of it and I went home and looked it up and it popped into my head again twice as I was thinking about this joy and this talk. And I, I went and found out the guy's name is James Missioner, but listen to how cool this talk is, this little quote is. I hope I, I don't botch it, but it says, I am an apprentice in the art of living. The master in the art of living makes little distinction between his work and his play, his labor and his leisure, his mind and his body, his information and his recreation, his love and his religion. He hardly knows which is which. He simply pursues a vision of excellence at whatever she does, leaving others to decide whether she is working or playing. To him, to her, she is always doing both. And I remember thinking, I know it's not a scripture and I know it's not, you know, out of the general conference talk, but to adapt and to view things like if people don't know if you're working or playing or if you're practicing religion or having fun, if people don't know the difference, that to me is actually the true joy in the covenants, in our calling and in the work the Lord has us do because it comes back. It brings my mind back to that culture of joy that if we all lived in that culture of joy, we wouldn't need the missionary program. I still, that still floors me. I'm like, what? But I just love that it's, it's an art. And again, it's this, this, this joy that can be found that's not going to be overnight, but that's why we have our whole yes. life. That's why Moses had so many years. So if you don't feel it right now, to just remember that's what life is, is to just learn how to cultivate that, find it, because we can do both. We can study and play and work and, and learn all at the same time and still find joy in it. And I love the part in the end where it says, 
to, to her, she's always doing both. And that's what I think you can learn in the hard, right? And you can also have fun in the hard. And then when something's really fun, it probably was a little bit hard to get there before because anything really worth doing took some effort. So I just love the back and the forth. And again, it goes back to the yoke, right? Sometimes we will have to help carry people and we will be carried. We know for sure with the savior, he will always carry us, but how great that one day we will be able to be with him and united. And that embrace is going to feel so equal and so joy and just pure gratitude of, of that we did it right this is we can do it we just takes a little bit of practice and be fun That's so good and i love um people you posted that in comments i read it oh yes last i was okay, you send it to me again and i'll put it up in stories for people who want the quote because i loved that thought of i feel like when we're yoked with christ then then we do find that balance of the, the carrying the heavy load, the work, and the light or the joy that comes when we are with him. And there were just a couple quotes in here that kind of hinted toward that work and play. I love um, when he talked about uh, what I, what um, we learned that when we think it is not a good time for us to receive a calling, it may be the time we need that calling the most. And that's true for calling but it also might be true for adversity it might be at the time when we think we can't handle that hard thing it might be the time we need the hard thing the most and i love um tj who is a good friend of grace was talking about this on this is kingdom this weekend if you if you go to that instagram account there is this little clip of him talking about this quote that says, because it was too hard for you to walk, I called him as a bishop in order to hold you and walk for you. Mm-hmm. And TJ talks about maybe he just wants to hold you right now. And the way he says it is so tender that I have not oh. been able to stop thinking about it all week. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes of our life are just the times when we're going to be yeah that is true in our life and there is a a sort of joy that comes from being held and i love um i love the thought of that that he he might just be holding us and in that holding i think of like maybe I, i quickly had a vision of mary holding our savior you know or a mother holding a daughter or a son or whoever, or even just a, a spouse holding each other, but that, that yoking, that holding, it really does. He says in paragraph 10, yoking yourself with the savior means you have access to his strength and redeeming power. And I'll never forget, like, you know, when a baby's like tired or sick, sometimes the best thing you need to do is just hold them so they can feel your warmth. They can feel your heartbeat. That is also this form of joy, right? And even though it might be full of tears and you're holding someone, that ultimately is the strength and the joy that the Savior brings to withstand our, withstand our trials. And, and, and I, I think it goes without saying, too, when he talks about keeping our covenants, like that is a joy, too. Yes. And that that's the joy that, you know, makes life easier. Yeah. It doesn't be necessarily happier. I noticed that right there, too. But I love that that also is part of, of the joy and of the, the journey. 
And, and I think this week, as we end devotion, and now yeah. as we start trying to shift into relationship, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I'm hoping is we will, we will think about the yoke because we're going to see it. You're, next week when I put up yeah. that talk, it's going to be there again. We're going to keep seeing this. For some reason, we are being called back to Matthew 11 yeah. over and over again. This week, I want to focus on that light, um, that, that, that's what he's going to bring into that yep. relationship, that yoked relationship is light and that he will help us figure out how to bring light into the darkest place. And, and maybe for you today, that's simply putting together your list of 10 yeah. things that bring you joy, even if it, even if the joy is only 20 minutes of joy, at least we're practicing joy this yep. week. So I love that thought of how do we bring light into the darkness? Me too. How do we accept the call that is going to allow us uh, to yoke ourselves with the Lord, whatever that looks like? How do we practice joy? These feel like the invitations from this week, and they're just I think they're such powerful invitations. They are. And they're powerful because they're plain and precious. Yep. They're simple. And I yep. think that simple is easy to do. So thank you so much for these. Yeah, such a good gosh. week. Yeah, thanks oh, for coming. And oh, being such a us. treat. Okay. Everybody have a good week. And then we'll see you again next All week. Right. Thanks for joining me. This podcast is taken from our Thursday Inklings discussions, which happen live on Instagram at inklings.institute. If you loved being here, I'd love to invite you to go even deeper with me, get reminders, and enjoy first access to all our events and gatherings by going to emilybellfreeman.com backslash inklings.